0: Welcome to the Talent Matters Podcast. Learn how to make the most of talent as a competitive advantage. Navigate today's fast-changing talent landscape and prepare now for the future of work. Here's your hosts, Brian Arzani and Jennifer Erickson.
1: All right, welcome to Talent Matters. We're very excited today. I'm Jennifer Erickson and this is my partner, Brian Arzani. And we're here today speaking with Fred Paul. He is the Wacker Neuson University Manager for North America. And that's a really cool title. The dean, not, the
0: dean, the Dean, Fred. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> there we go. Hey, thanks for having me today. Dude, we're so excited to talk to you and excited for the listeners. For those of you that are out there listening, this is going to be a great session only because, you know, Fred's bringing a different perspective. But at the end of the day, it's all around talent and, you know, what it does, why it does it, et cetera, et cetera. But real quick, before we get going too far, Fred, um, how did you arrive at the dean? Right. I love it, man. Wacker Noysen. Tell us what, tell us what Wacker Noysen is and then just tell us a little bit about yourself, um, how you arrived at this, because you've been with Wacker Noysen for a minute as the yeah. uh kids say today. So go ahead, man. Up to yeah, your-
2: 30, 31 years, Brian. Um, well, Wacker Neusen is a, a global manufacturer of uh, light to mid-size construction equipment. Uh, you can trace the roots of the company back to 1848 in Germany, um, and it's just uh, blossomed from there. Uh, basically, started with uh, soil compaction products, concrete consolidation products, um, and today we're into excavators, backhoes, uh, telehandlers, and, and, you know, just a plethora of equipment that you have on the job site. Um, our our uh, name is uh, Wacker Neuson and All It Takes. That's our logo. And it really has everything, all it takes to get the job site done. So um, it's grown quite a bit over the years. And, uh, you know, it's a, a first class product, high quality products.
0: So how did you get here? I mean, what, what, where did you start and what brought you to just kind of give us a little bit of a perspective on your career path?
2: Well, uh, I don't know how far you want me to go back, but uh, when I was in high school, I worked for my father, and uh, uh, he was the director of buildings and grounds for the city that I grew up in and uh, doing concrete work in the summertime and and such, and it was always, hey, go get the whacker, load up the whacker. Well, there was probably four or five different pieces of whacker equipment that we had. You just had to know which one was the right one for the job you were doing that day. Um, So I was oriented to the product way back then, uh, did a stint in the military, Uh, Got out, and lo and behold, there's a a job application or an ad in the newspaper for Wacker uh, for a service technician. So I got my start with a service technician, worked my way into various uh, field sales roles, service manager roles, uh, did some sales management, uh, but found out real quick that my passion was training. Um, It was just like sales. You're trying to get someone to buy in a concept or a product. Um, in a little different way. maybe I wasn't writing the order, but I'm still selling them on the concepts and ideas. So I really enjoyed that uh, working with people on a different pace um, in the in the sales and application out of it. So here I am today.
0: That's awesome. And you know what? So nicely done in a succinct way, right? If that was
1: me. <laughs> Man, I think he's would be sitting here 30 minutes later still oh, listening. Geez, yeah. <laughs>
0: Fred Fred and his and his counterpart told me one time they said, "Dude, we just wanted to know what time it was, not how to make the watch juice."
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right, true. Brother. That's so true. Fred you're in charge of learning for North America and yes, all am. employees under North America. How many employees is that?
2: Uh, North America-wise, uh, we're we're at about 400 right now, um, but it's it goes beyond that. You know, that's the internal organization and when I say internal, I just mean Wacker noise and employees. Uh, that encompasses all the people in the factory, the offices, uh, the logistics center, our field sales and service support people and that's for uh, US and Canada. Um, And then we also have our dealer network that I'm responsible for their development as well. So I can't even tell you how many that is. I know that we have approximately 5,000 people in our learning management system. And on a monthly basis, we have about 400 people that are actively pursuing courses and, and education through our university.
1: Wow. So what I hear you saying is you're not only training Wacker employees, you're training the employees of your distributors that all have different cultures than what Wacker
2: does. Oh yeah, you bet, you bet. And it, it really is uh, interesting when you see people come in here. Uh, you know, we, we still do a lot of hands-on service, uh, service technician type of schools. and. Uh, you get to get someone from the south that's here and it's 10 below. Um, they've never seen snow before and it's just a a, a different world for them um, in talking to people then from the north, whatever. And they, they, it's just a, a a nice situation to have everybody in there and uh, you'll see all the different cultures, how everybody reacts. But it's one common goal and that's to, uh, to fix or service or sell the product that we have.
1: So in your 31 years with Wacker, how long have you been doing the training, and then I I understand the training probably morphed to Wacker University. How long has Wacker University been around?
2: Uh, Well, I guess it's been around forever, but it's never really called Wacker Noison University. It used to be called uh, Sales Engineering, and it was SAE for short, Sales Application Engineering. And uh, back then, it was a different company. A lot of, you know, not even close to the product line that we have or the breadth of line that we have today. So, um, it was very Hardline driven, engineering driven. That you know, it's you know, we're going to talk about the mechanics of the machine, and you're going to sell the machine from the inside out uh, to a customer. And you know, we we worked a lot with the applications. How far can I pump water? Um, how much load can I put on a generator? And now things have changed quite a bit in the market. That you know, hey, we've got the product, it fits into this market, it fits into the application, and, you know, here's maybe the five top bullet points on selling it and servicing it and go to it. So it's it's a different pace from what it used to be, but it's it, – it the, the university kind of – I got it. You're going to edit this, right? So we can just yeah. talk, right? Okay, good. Because um, your your question was, when did the university start? Um, I guess it's been around forever. You know, it was just called sales application engineering before – um, and service training was separate from the, uh, from the sales and application training. We put those two together about three years ago, and we started calling it the university. Um, so I've got a counterpart in, in uh, outside of Munich, Germany. Uh, they've got their academy. And just to have a, a difference in the two so people knew what they were talking about, they're the academy or the university.
1: Okay. Is theirs in German? Or is there an English because they serve Europe? I'm just curious. That's that's an aside question.
2: Yeah, language is always a a challenge for us. You know, if you look at our manuals online and such, um, you can see up to 16 different languages at time. Uh, But we try to focus on the four core languages: would be English, German, Spanish, and French. Uh, those would be the top four for us, and you know everything that we have right here in in the U.S. is uh, is basically English driven. Uh, we do have some uh, bilingual bilingual employees that will come in and conduct things in Spanish on, on, as needed, uh, but we're getting a lot of pressure right now that we have got to create content in French as well um, for our friends up in Canada.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're we're seeing that with some of the tools we use as well. So, looking at talent. In terms of,
0: you know, whether it's distribution uh, or internal, your your customer facing folks, how much what has changed over the last thirty one years? What do you what do you see in, uh, what do you miss about the old talent, and what are you excited about with the new talent? Um,
2: what's changed? <laughs> um, I, I I guess with talent, and again from my perspective with working with sales and service people is um it, it seems like the the older talent uh, they had a little bit more quest for digging in and finding how things worked and, and more on the theoretical end and nowadays it's a snap of a fingers i want to you know look up in my smartphone or i want to tap on the keyboard and I want an instant answer. I don't care how things really work or how I got there. I just want the results and I want the answer. So I I think of the older crowd, you know, they're still a little bit more curious and the the younger crowd is probably just a little bit more giving me the answer now.
1: Hmm. So for our listeners out there that are saying, oh my gosh, this guy created a university, right? (laughs) I can't even create a sales training program. How did you put the pieces and parts together. And, you know, what, what advice would you give to somebody out there trying to create a new training program? Where do they start? Because it is an elephant. And we all know you can only eat an elephant in small bites.
2: Yeah. Well, that's, that's true. Um, (laughs) You know, it's funny. go
0: Go ahead, Brian. I'm sorry. No, I said we watched you. We've been sitting back here kind of for the last several years as we've worked with you and, You know, we've we've observed it, but we weren't in the trenches deeply with you. So, well, you know, it's uh, it it really
2: is putting the customer first, you know, and what are their needs. And you can sit there and talk about, you know, training design and needs analysis and everything. But it, it really is a connection with those people. Um, to listen to their needs, uh, listen to some of the problems and challenges that they have, and let's design programs around there. So, you know, are we always going out and doing a formal needs analysis? Probably not. But, um, you know, we've got a great team of support people within inside these walls and our field sales and service organization, and you hear uh, the pressures and the challenges that they're under. And let's design a program to take that pain away. So it really can be that simple, but I'm not doing it alone. Um, you know, there's just a great team of people uh, within the university here with our service trainers and our sales and application trainers that, um, you know, I trust in those guys 100%. Uh, we start spitballing, throwing things around and, you know, hey, we got this idea. We can create this. Let's do that. And we start looking at, well, how does it fit into the program and let's align it with it and Let's let's run. Let's run. So I'm having a lot of fun doing it
0: how did you juggle all of the different folks that probably wanted to take and have their thing be like the premiere? I mean, I'm sure service is like, we've got to make service the priority. I'm sure sales was like, sales has got to be the priority. And you got engineering saying, we got to teach these suckers how to use our stuff. I mean, how did you juggle that? That's gotta be an interesting. Uh, just project in but, itself.
2: Yeah, that's, that's a good question, Brian. Um, you know, there, it, I, <laughs> you know, for certain events, we've got like one of those rotating baskets that you'd, you know, put names in the hat and you draw it out. Um, and sometimes it's random like that. And other times you just look at gaps in the schedule and say, you know what, I can knock out some of this low hanging fruit, I'm going to do it um service wise um honestly i'll look at warranty rates you know what what's the hot topic right now where do we need some training where do people need assistance in that crutch out in the field and learn how to fix a machine and and on the shortest notice so what do i need to put online you know we can't get everybody in here so what can i create Um, How can I fill those gaps and how can I coach people into finding the resources? And that's, again, you know, we don't have everything instant within our company that you're going to be able to go on to a search engine and find something at a snap of a finger. Um, You can go on to some of those other social media sites and maybe find some of the things, but it's coaching people through the resources and, and taking their pain away as quick as we can.
1: So you have a learning management system that you use. We do. And you mentioned 5,000 people are registered in it. So if I work for XYC Heavy Equipment. Um, well, they're I a could good customer. <laughs> 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 I would be, and let's say I'm in sales there. I have access to your learning management system. And can I log into it okay. and see instant classes? Or how does that work?
2: Oh, yeah, you, you you sure can. And um, you know, we've got a very powerful learning management system, and we're uh, we're probably using about, I'm going to say, 40 percent of its capability with some of the things that we're doing. And it's just a matter of resources before. Uh, and. and- resources and time before we can exercise all the options that are in there. Um, There's things like rehearsal, that you can play back and video record yourself for scenarios and situations. So we can do scenario-based type training. But uh, getting back to your question, Jennifer, yes, there's uh, 24-7 access for sales and service courses that are out there. We're continuously populating that and and driving people towards that system to find uh, answers to their problems and, and hopefully make their job quite a bit easier.
1: Okay, so I have another aside question for you. Sure, because this kind of came up in our organization the other day. When I complete certain classes or a certain breadth of classes, do I get some some sort of not a degree, obviously, but a completion document, a certification document, anything like that from you guys?
2: Well, it it depends on the course. Um, yes, there's there's course completions. Well, we'll give you a certificate. Um, but on the service end, we do have some authorized certified courses where you uh, can achieve certain levels and then it changes your warranty rate. So on the service end, there's there's a little bit more of a carrot than what you might have on the sales side. Um, for example, some of our engines, our trainers are certified to teach people. Uh, warranty processes and procedures on different engine manufacturers. So they'll come here rather than going to the engine manufacturer um, to learn um, that machine, get certified, get computer programming for tuning things. um, And then in turn, they get a better warranty rate from us. So not not only a certification, but they, they get a financial bonus as well, basically
0: so we're through 2020 moving into 2021 what do you think your biggest talent issue is going to be um, moving forward in this year or, or is talent not the not the major issue
2: uh, you mean for me personally or
0: <laughs> you so know where you want to go i mean you can talk about your the the distribution that's out there distribution uh partners that are out there internally looking for i mean you're up in uh, middle wisconsin you you're pulling from a talent base there i mean just wherever you want to go with it
2: Sure. Well, I, I think right now it's, it's very competitive and being based out of the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area. Um, you know, we're not the only manufacturer in town. There's a lot of industry here. And, uh, you know, I think the talent pool, um, especially with engineering, uh, you know, there, there's um, a lot of places that they can go. So it, it's competition is really what it is. And it's making this a great place to work and, and uh, creating that environment where people want to work here.
1: So looking at the talent that you guys are, let's start internally, because you you get to see internal, right, and external through your distribution. But internally, people come to the table with a lot of hard skills, at least that's what we're finding. What kind of soft skills are you seeing them needing some work on or brushing up on once they get into uh, employment with you guys?
2: (laughs) I wish everybody could spend an hour with Brian Arzani. No, <laughs> oh, and I, I, you know, I, I'm kind of cracking a joke there, Brian, but um, you know, I, 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 do mean that. Um, you know, it's. Uh, I think people come into an organization and they're, you know, they maybe tread a little bit lightly. They just focus on their job. Um, they don't always understand the whole interaction between the departments and everything. So. Um, as far as working on soft skills, it's just, you know, the the human element and the human touch that, hey, we're all one company. Uh, we've all got to work together and we have to know each other, you know, sometimes beyond just the work environment. You don't always have to socialize with them, but you, you have to engage with the people. And, um, you know, right now with uh, the the lockdowns, the shutdowns, the work at home, things like that, I think everybody's just sick of email and I think just having that human approach and and talking things through because, um, you know, resolving conflict, for example, you know, it's tough to do over an email. And I think some of those skills with going in and, and you know, tapping someone on the shoulder, hey, let's talk, let's have a chat, uh, whether it's over a cup of coffee or lunch, or we're just sitting down in a meeting room. So I, I think some of the, the human touch and getting that uh, human interaction face-to-face back uh, is, is really gonna be key for the organization.
0: Yeah, I think our conflict resolution module that we built for you guys specifically said do not do it over written form <laughs> yeah
2: and you know you know brian certainly i'm not uh, not an extension of of your company but i've I've uh, had the opportunity to go through and talk about uh, the program that you wrote for us and and worked with, uh, you know, so well, and I've had examples where conflict arose over an email, and it was interpretation in an email and how things were worded and, uh, um, you know, how there was a a confrontation between myself and one other person, and, you know, I, I walked away and I was just blistering mad, you know, I was just... Terrible, shaken, you know, I just couldn't calm down. And the next day I said to myself, you know what, I'm better than that. And I went back to your map and I brought it out and I said, okay, here's where I'm at. You know, I can cross over into the bad conflict or I can keep it on the healthy side. And what do I need to go do on the healthy side? So I went back and sat down face to face with the individual, got everything ironed out and uh, now everything's fine. So
0: that's awesome.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, one of the, one of the things that we hear a lot is just helping people navigate conflict because I think your previous president, Johannes said, you know, we're always in conflict, whether it's with our, you know, raw goods that we're purchasing from, whether it's engineering, you know, with operations or sales with service um, or distribute. There's just, and it, the key is like you just said, man, keeping it healthy. And, and I think we've got a generation of of folks that are coming up that, maybe we're resolving conflict over emojis and memes and you know handheld <laughs> devices that you're you're teaching them maybe something that's completely foreign are you finding that where the different generations in the workplace preferred to handle things differently and with this pandemic and the lockdown things it's exploited some of those vulnerabilities or what are your, what are your thoughts on this in the in the different generations well,
2: I'm certainly no expert on that, Brian, but um, yeah, I, I think uh, you hit it right on the head that they're going to express themselves with emojis and and uh, through the handheld devices and, and you get a lot of texts and, and it's like, come on, we got to get back to some of the basics and in, in core business and, and deal with the people. It's still really a handshake business with us. Um, especially getting out there distribution network. And like I said earlier, how do you design a program Well, it's listening to people and it's talking to them? I, I don't always need a formal needs analysis. I can, I can hear in their voice. I can see the pain in their eyes at times. Um, I can see their desire to learn something new and, and let's create the programs that are out there.
1: Speaking of face to face, you know, you mentioned you had some online programs, but a lot of your programs were created for in-person learning. So when the pandemic hit, the shutdown hit. What would you guys do to keep the university going when you couldn't have people there?
2: Crazy busy ramp up. Um, you know, I had, I had uh, half the team on furlough. You know, we we you know went through a downturn with sales and everything, just like other people did. So some of the people had to furlough. But at the same time, then what happens is everybody ramps up They say, well, you know, our distribution network—they're slow too. So now we want training so yeah we were we were all aligned and i thought to myself well i've got the easy button here and we've got all the content we just need to plug in and we need to go online and and start hammering this stuff out well i found out real quick it's not quite the same having the instructor led content um you know the the core might be there but to engage people virtually and and over the airwaves is a is a different animal um so i I've got to tip my hat to the guys that were here because they did a great job slamming things out. I I went to uh, four seminars per week, Um, so we were doing uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I thought, oh, no problem. We've got all this stuff, but uh, yeah, we had to wrap up real quickly, and it was interesting how, how the team came together, put content together, and I couldn't be more proud of them for doing what they're doing and I, I can't believe they didn't throw bricks at me and say what are you thinking with four a week um, but we pulled it off we pulled it off and we said scaled back a little bit um, and we refined the product and revised it over the time um, and it gives us a little bit more creativity now so we're, we're on set intervals set agendas with uh, uh, different core groups of people and and um, yeah you, you just learn you adapt you've got to adapt you got to run with it
0: Have you figured out, or maybe an idea, or something for our listeners that you've figured out that helps keep people engaged in this virtual? What's if you thought of what are are one or two things you're doing that's keeping the uh the students engaged
2: well it's uh it's it's probably the duration is number one you know we try to keep these at 30 to 45 minutes we've had some of these that have gone an hour and i can start watching attendance progressively drop off at about 40 minutes Uh, so so we do keep we do try to keep them shorter and pointed and and we uh, we also direct everybody to saying, hey, this is your instructor-led event over the airwaves. Uh, we try to use a lot of visuals, very little text um, on the screen when we can. We toggle back and forth between a couple different web- webcams, um, You know, one on the presenter, one to the laptop. We go to a whiteboard. Um, we've gone so far as hooking up and sharing a camera, having second instructor out in our uh, shop or demonstration area where, hey, it's a little choppy now, but we've got a high-quality webcam out here. Now we're going to take a live look at a, at, at a machine. So we try to keep them engaged that way, but you know, in that 30 minutes, we give them the high spots, we give them the nuggets, and then we direct them into the online learning management system for more information. Um, and we're seeing those courses going up. So in a downtime when the instructor-led face-to-face training is going down, you see the web-based and the uh, the live instructor-led just going up and going through the roof.
1: That's awesome. And And for those listening today, what Fred's talking about is they created a Zoom room. For their I, didn't know we, I didn't
2: know if we could name that specifically.
1: Well, we're okay with it. And <laughs> hey, he, Brian's
2: drinking a Diet room. Pepsi.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he created a Zoom room that has a couple of cameras. They have, you know, the instructor in there. They have the whiteboard. So it looks like the front of a class. And I think that's a way that it keeps people engaged too. And they and they switch views, which keeps people's attention. Because any if I'm looking away and see my screen something move on my screen that's going to jump me back to what you're doing so i think that's ingenious myself
2: yeah, yeah and you know we've got um, you know on the on the sales and application side we've got four core instructors including myself so we had two sessions um on monday for a new product rollout we had people as far as away from uh, Australia to Mexico to Canada and the U.S. and Germany that were all involved in these in these seminars. So we we did a one in the morning, one in the afternoon, so we could accommodate a lot of time zones. Uh, but we used all four instructors. You know, two of them were primarily um, kind of coaching and monitoring the chat box. They were changing camera views for us. So the two primary instructors we could toggle back and forth, and we weren't worrying about the mechanics of of Zoom now. You know, I guess that's a luxury that I have with uh, with all the talent that works on the university team, but uh, yeah, it was keeping things engaged. It was using props. It wasn't just a flat presentation on a screen. Um, you know, we had a, a valve body from a... Uh, from a piece of construction equipment in here. We had some hydraulic components. We had some electrical components right in our hand that we could show and engage people and point out and zoom in on the camera. So it really did give that live feel, uh, which it was live. It's just that they weren't sitting in the classroom with us. You know, they're across the globe, but they had instructor led training. The only thing that we couldn't do is put a piece of machinery in their hands.
1: So moving forward, as you, as you look out through 2021 and the recovery starts to happen, um, do you think you're gonna stick with this format or do you think you're going to start doing live events again? Oh, well, we're, we're
2: not stopping the live events. We're gonna still continue on with that, but we also acknowledge that there's a lot of companies out there that still won't allow their people to travel. So we're, we're offering both um, internally for our own employees Uh, We've set up within the learning management system a formal continuing education program. So, uh, one or two times a month, depending on what track they're in, they'll be logging in and they'll have a live instructor led event. They can interact with their peers. We can have open and candid uh, conversations about our product um, and they can continue on with their learning. So, uh, we're doing that. So, dealer onboarding, you know, we talked about our distribution network, um, you know, to ramp people up quickly. You know, can I bring people in for a week? Absolutely. I'd love to do that and talk about our product. Or can I just take one hour a day and give you an overview and show you the resources on where to find more information to get you, um, you know, quicker up that curve? So then when you have the luxury or you're allowed to travel again, then you're prepared to come in here with, you know, a certain baseline knowledge.
1: Awesome. So, look, again, looking forward to 2021. What are some new talent initiatives that you guys are launching this year? Meaning what, Jennifer? Well, are, do you have some new training topics you're rolling out? Are you adding to your university?
2: Well, we're, we're constantly enhancing the product. Um, you know, Again, like you mentioned earlier, a lot of our content was instructor-led um, based, and now we're trying to convert that into what's going to work well on um, on, on a web feed, what's going to work well within the learning management system on a self-paced type of course. So we're going through a complete evaluation of all our content. Um, you know, so it's it, it's ongoing day to day. I mean, we've got things down, but uh, uh, kind of taking everybody from the university to the service and the sales side and tying that together, we're working pretty well in a group environment uh, where we're, you know, creating content together because sometimes there's a fine line between the sales an application and a service content. Um, so instead of having two people or, or groups working on different things that all of a sudden they come out with the same result, um, let's work in a group environment and whiteboard and let's jot everything down and let's put it into one nice package.
1: Wacker makes a lot of investment into training. I mean, doing training, creating a university is not a, a small investment over, no, over the not amount at of time you've been doing it. Have you tracked the data? On what that has done for the longevity of your dealers and your dealers' employees? By chance, just curious.
2: I don't know how to answer that.
1: Um, okay, I can change the question. Would there be a better question?
2: I mean, we're Jennifer. We're, we, you know, I pull a year-end report and quarterly reports on you know how many people have been trained um, in our touch points, and I I don't know how I could track that to. Longevity. I mean, we've got some dealers like in your area, Logan Equipment, that's been with us forever. Um, right. Can I can I attribute that to training? Um, sure, I'll take credit, um, but I don't know that I can fully take credit for that. Um, what
1: about their employees? I, I think, uh, we're, does, go, I think we're going. I think we're going down the wrong. I
2: think we're going down the wrong path on that one because. Okay. Uh, you know, out of those five thousand users that we have in there, um, there was one account not long ago, that they had 240 users in there. We sent them a, a, a roster report and a talent report, and they came back and they strike through on 140 of them. So 50% of the people that they had, it was turnover, okay? Oh, wow, uh, okay. The trouble we'll is, oh, Jennifer, long, they, they may have been at this company right now, and then you know a year later, two years later, they jumped ship in greener grass and they went down the road to another construction company. That person might be back in the system again, um, you know, so I, I can't really speak to the longevity. Um, okay. The answer might be better as far as, you know, um, acceptance of the of the group um, or the, the product line that we have, because there's there's nothing saying that um, we have to uh, a, a dealer has to represent always the full product line that we have so people will cherry pick it so i think through the training when they when they come in for training we're not going to just select these two or three pieces that they may have or represent or maybe this product category we're going to talk about the whole product line Um, and that's again where you know i'm still selling uh, when i'm doing the training and i'm not saying, hey, you have to have this product. But, you know, we start talking about it. We talk about the products and how they interact with each other. And that aha moment just triggers with somebody. And they say, you know what? Maybe we should start taking a look at this because if I bundle these things together. So it's probably not so much longevity that we're creating within a distribution network, but we're we're creating uh, more market penetration through uh, bundling all our products together and just an awareness type of program and an understanding of what we have and why we have it.
0: That's excellent. It's kind of but we we went to the model early on in our business, you know, 15, 16 years ago to we call education based marketing. So we educate people on how to be more effective in their world. And oh by the way, if you want to acquire that tool or service, we could provide that. So I think that's really where yeah, what, maybe kind of what Wacker Neuson does with its distribution Because really what you're you're in essence buying space on that distributor's floor right or in their in their yard. We want more Wacker equipment and. The more effective their people are at learning, understanding, servicing, comfort level, they're gonna. They're, so you've really got a five thousand individuals out there that are. They're not captive agents. They're not even free agents. I mean, you're just looking for those that are willing to kind of go, dude. Something about the way Wacker, whatever, and then they're gonna go sell it. They're gonna recommend it to their clients.
2: Yep, and and you know my former boss and he used to always use the term mind share. We have to capture their mind share, and that's really what we're doing.
0: I love it. So that's so Wacker Wacker Noise and University is is really designed to capture the mind share on internal and external customers. Exactly. To provide them all it takes. There you go. There's your there's your uh... <laughs> um, so Fred, is everything within like let's just say your department, right? Does everybody in your organization, do they ultimately want your job or have you created an environment where they can be where they desire and are built to be? I mean, what's that look like within Fred Paul's little, little department?
2: Geez, I don't know. I, I got two of the guys in the room here with me right now. I don't know if they want my job or not. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, I I I guess that's up to the individual. Um, you know what what their individual goals and aspirations are. Uh, you know, I've I've got one guy that walks by a director all the time, and he says, "Fred, you've got it made." and uh you know I, I i can turn back and reflect on that and say you know i do um you know i've got a great team of uh, people that, that i work with uh, we've got a great product and you know uh, i'm kind of in my lane so to speak where uh, you know i'm playing with equipment one day and i'm i've got a jacket and tie on the next day so um do people want my job um i hope so i hope so um but i'm not going anywhere for a little while anyway
0: do you have some folks in your group that are amazing individual contributors and are and they're comfortable staying there, or is it the is it the other side of it? Um, no, I,
2: I I think I've got a, a a great team, and you know I've I've lost people to promotion in the past. I've had some people that have left the company. I've, I've actually had a death in the department. Uh, probably about seven or eight years ago, and and so you, people come and people go, and every time I I look at it, and I always tell my boss I've got the strongest team ever, and he says you always say that. I'm like yeah, but I constantly <laughs> believe that, you know. So it, it's when people come in, and uh, right now I'm just I've, I've got so much energy with the team that I've got. Um, again, now that now that I've taken on the the service aspect it again, and bringing these two groups uh, that were separate before and bringing them together. Um, it's just, it's great to watch that dynamic build. It's great to, to create those synergies between the sales and service end of it. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's energizing. Um, I hope people, um, in the organization say, Hey, Fred's job is great. Um, you know, he's got a great team and boy, wouldn't it be great to be Fred sometimes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I hope there's people I want it.
1: You spend a lot of your time growing other people. Yeah. What do you do to, ve- to develop yourself?
2: What do I do to develop myself? Um, can I give your company a plug? Sure. Is that, is well, that acceptable? <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you what, you know, I, uh, you know, it, education comes in many forms, whether it's reading a book, whether it's reading someone's face, um, or, or just sitting back and listening, you know, it, it, it all depends. Uh, you know, I've, I've got a lot of experience now with the company within the industry. Am I an expert by no, no means? I'd say not at all. Um, you know, there's always something to learn. So... Um, developing myself I guess is is um, I, I think one of the the best things for me to say is is I, I trust in my team members and how I work with them and they'll come to me with concepts and ideas and and I'm not going to accept everything I'll challenge them a little bit but um, I'm really learning from the people that I work with on a daily basis um, so I, I I take value in what they have to say and I think that's what Makes me a halfway decent leader is uh, you know that I, that I'm not just always sitting there saying this is a direction we have to go and there's days that I have to do that but um, it, it's working with them as a team so I like to consider myself kind of a working manager that I'm not going to just sit back and say hey I'm going to direct you to do this I still have a passion to train uh, like they have a passion to train and it's it's great how we just can get in the in the war room so to speak and create material and create content uh, for the betterment of the organization so. Um, for me, number one uh, development is is listening. Um, you know, I do read some business books. You try to stay on top of industry news and such, um, but it's it, it's really just immersing myself in what the people's needs are and keeping that customer first.
0: So I think looking at how a team goes, there's an old saying. You know, the team will never outperform its leader. The team will never be more enthusiastic than the leader. Uh, it sounds to me like because you're super excited and engaged. It's easy for your people to be excited and engaged in
2: uh, in what you're doing. Um, yeah, that's that's probably true, Brian. Um, you know, I, I recently uh, put in for a, a different position within the company. I knew that it was uh, a, a stretch for me, but with uh, ten or less years before retirement, um, I decided this is the time. If not now, I'm never going to know. And uh, when I was when I was turned down, ultimately turned down for the position. I was a little bit upset but then I I came to the realization and I uh, kind of related back to the story that you talk about during your program uh, um, with the the janitor that was looking down the hallway and you know the shiny hallway and you know that was his genius and it's just like you know what um, is this my genius maybe um, but this is really where I like to be and everything like that and it it re-energized me and just said hey let's just keep building this team and this program that we've got so um, so here we are. You know, it's uh, it's a great product that we're putting out, and uh, it's just believing in the team and believing in yourself.
0: Well, is there any questions that we haven't asked you that, or information that you want to share? Um, I mean, you're kind of in the in a in a spot where a lot of folks would like to be eventually, where all they do is eat, breathe, sleep, think about talent, how to make talent better, um, and you've had autonomy with a leadership group that's giving you the ability to create something that didn't already exist. Um, a lot of executives get tired and uh, don't want to finish what they started because the investment that it takes, um, you know, I think obviously your ability to sell to that executive team and keep them engaged at least to say, you know, okay, eventually, right. Cause they, they, the moment they probably squeeze the trigger, go, yes, let's do a university. And then two months later, like, where's it at? you know? So, I mean, <laughs> all those dynamics you've navigated and, and created. And so you're, there but i mean what else what else would the listeners like to hear maybe find interesting about you
2: you know i i I guess one of the things brian that i could add um is you know staying a a step ahead of the executives um, from time to time because it, it training in the university can kind of be out of sight out of mind uh they know it's out there it's no it's necessary um and they it they they are somewhat hands-off. You know, they they don't look at it all the time as, you know, it's not in the bookings report and it's, you know, it's not out there in, in the front uh, sales force every single day, but when they need it, they want it. And it's really, it's really great to say, yeah, I've got that. You know, I have that. I've had that for a while. Um, people are using it and people are using it well. So, let me reintroduce you to something that we've had that you don't know that we have. So, um, so that that that's kind of a, a puts a smile on my face and probably the team's face that uh, that we can surprise some of the execs occasionally and uh, let them know what we're doing.
0: So here's a question for you: How did you keep Wacker Neuson University or training and development off of the category of an unnecessary expense and still kept it on the side of the equation of? It's an investment where we get ROI because that's got to be a discussion that you've had.
2: Yeah, that's that's a, that's a good one. You know, anytime that you have the downturns they're looking at every single penny that goes out the door. Um, but I invested in this room. I was able to justify the expense and, and we um, kind of took that and said, OK, how, how many people are we going to be bringing in here? Uh, what are the costs bringing that in? And I justified the cost of this room over the course of two days. Um, so, <laughs> you know, and it wasn't really creative math. It was uh, honest truth on, on what we had to do. Um, uh, so I'm sorry, Brian, I kind of lost no, track still, of my thought here. No, so, you're,
0: so perfect. so in essence, what you're saying is, uh, you're always selling, right? You're, well, Yeah. You're, you're always selling. How do how
2: do we, how do we not get chopped? Well, again, that was also customer demand that again, times are slow, uh, the people that they had out there, you know, they, they may not be uh, uh, on the job site selling or renting as much as they were. There might not be as many repairs because, uh, you know, not as much equipment's going out and coming back in off of rental. So, hey, I got an idea. Let's get our people trained. So every time it dips down in the economy, the training just seems to go up and go through the roof for us
0: rock and roll, man. Well, it has been awesome to talk with you. I know uh, you've got a lot going on right now. You're getting ready to ramp up for the amazing construction season we're going to have and all the success to Wacker and uh, worldwide, especially here in North America and uh, everything that you're doing, Fred, to support the internal and external customers of uh, Wacker Noycin. So thank you so much.
2: Thank yep, Brian, you. Brian and Jennifer, thank you. Uh, you've been a key part of our talent development with the programs that uh, you developed for us and with us and uh, I know that we've always seen the results from it and thank you.